Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there. My name is Miles Chupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95-mile-an-hour bowling, England-playing, World Cup-winning, Northumberland-hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind, both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly, and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Welcome to the Manchester United Redcast. I'm Chris Curley, and what a... 24 hours it's been in the life of a Manchester United fan. Um, I'm not talking about Dean Henderson rushing out of his goal either, which gave us all a heart attack in the first 30 seconds yesterday. I'm talking about the events and the proposed Super League. And it turns out, well, it turns out the Glazers um, weren't just our problem. They're everyone's. And join me to discuss uh, the last uh, 24 hours and what the future might hold is, well, I couldn't ask the two better people who were available on a Monday afternoon. Uh, it's Dan Riley and Ben Paul. Uh, gentlemen, hello. Hello. What's hello. your mood like? My mood, I'm really down. I'm really down about it at all. What's your mood like when you heard about the European Super League, which is going to be a closed shop of franchise football um, and United being the ringleaders of it? Are we actually the ringleaders of it? Yes, we are. Um, Joel Glazer is vice president of the new Super League. Um, it, it has been concocted by Woodward and Florentino Perez to drive this thing through. We are active participants in it. Yeah, it's not. I mean, 
I'm still trying. It's still it's too surreal for me at the moment. I'm trying to get my head around it. I don't know whether I've fallen out of love with football. Full stop. With United, with the elitist nature of the top six, half of which, half of whom are not elite anyway. I top six? Huh? They're not even the top six. This is the diabolical thing about it. Where would City be? City was supposed to be a grassroots club. Liverpool are the, you know, the, the moral self, moral conscience of football. So they tell us that I'm, 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 it's not just United I'm disgusted with. It's those two in particular. And then Arsenal, Arsenal and, Tot- and Tottenham, are they even in the top half of the table? They haven't won anything for years. Now, well, we'll come on to that. Dan, what was your initial reaction with the Super stuff that came out yesterday afternoon? Um, I, was, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. I think this is something that they've kind of obviously been plotting for a long time. I don't think UEFA helped themselves with their <clears throat> updated Champions League format changes. I think that's kind of maybe even um, preempted that a little bit. Um, but, you know, th- you're talking about as uh, when you see that the Glazers are, are you know, as you say, Joel Glazer going to be the vice president of this thing. And when you think where they've come from, it's just, it's quite, it, it's just when you think of you, you, if we take steps back, you know, the Glazers borrowed. I mean, they're basically, when they bought United, they had hardly any, hardly any of their own money. They bought United with all that money borrowed, leveraged against the club. And now they're getting their claws in like the, the, the actual infrastructure of European football. Totally. It's incredible. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. No, and even if you go back to when the Glazers arrived and the leverage of the debt, right? And of course, they own Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL. Well, everyone saw what they were doing and success of Ferguson and then the Green and Gold campaign, and then we all gave up. But what happened? What's happened over the last 10, 11 years? More NFL owners now own Premier League clubs. Stan Kroenke is involved. Um, Fenway came in. They've been bankrolled recently by Peter Thiel, who was the man behind the hedge fund of Facebook and backing Trump. You've got basically three Trump owners of Premier League clubs. You have Putin's puppy in Abramovich. You can't even get into the country. Um, you've, and you've got Daniel Levy, right, who has been complimented for being a a, a tough negotiator and a, and a ruthless businessman. Well, I'm not sure sometimes they're great personal qualities you want to have in a custodian of an institution. And it is clearly a land grab. It's a money grab. They're not happy with the leverage of UEFA. When you put this, these 12 clubs together, they have lost in the last year together £1.2 billion in this pandemic year. Their financial mismanagement of their clubs are extraordinary. We know how much Barcelona and Real Madrid are in debt but, uh, about. And what this is, is like, well, how do we get that money back? Now's the time. We're going to exploit a pandemic situation and COVID and fans not in stadiums. Fans they call legacy fans because match-going fans are basically props. And I think, Ben, you know, Ben Dan's right. We shouldn't be surprised, but what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to shrug our shoulders and accept it? We've not done enough to stop it. What can we do about it? I mean, uh, that's the the million-dollar question. Yes, there's been... We've seen it coming. It's it's been like a you know 
a punch in slow motion land directed towards your face for the last five, 10 years. Um, you could have dodged it. We could have, I, I don't know what we can do about it. Personally, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, um, it's it a really high end leverage tactic where they've got to prove they're willing to walk away from the table for them to get what they want back at UEFA. Is that what it is? I'm not, I'm not sure they've got a pretty snazzy website. No, the website is rubbish, which tells me. I'm just, I'm, 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 I, yeah, I mean. But do you know who's done the PR? Do you know who's done the PR launch for them? No. It's a company called In House, um, obviously based in London. And get this, they did the PR for Theresa May's election. Do you know the election she nearly lost when she went for it in 20 and thought, and Corbyn nearly came back and won it and everything else? Well, she was the one that did the PR for it. So I reckon that's this is this that gave me hope that this might not happen. Well, we I, I read on one of the reports that we have um, United have um, resigned. I think left the European Club Association, that's right. which is quite a significant move. I would have thought if if they've all, they've all left this morning yeah. one by one. I mean, United still haven't United and City obviously um, still haven't put a tweet about it. They posted the press release to their website. They were too cowardly to tweet about it. Everybody else did because they know the reaction they're going to get. And Ben, when you talk about elite clubs, you're entirely right. This elite Super League makes of these clubs and the website says the best clubs. Now, the best teams, the best clubs. That's how arrogant they are. Arsenal, not in the Champions League anytime soon. Last got to a final in 2005. AC Milan, last quarterfinal, 2013. Inter qualified only once between 2010 and 2017. United last 16 for only four times since 2012. City never qualified from 92 and 2010. Never been in a European Cup final ever. Barcelona out of the last 16. Ju- Juventus, um, I think one quarterfinal between um, same um, out of the last 16 this year. Spurs one quarter final up till 2018. Spurs, I mean, that, I mean that, that has got to be that, hasn't it? By the way, as somebody said on Twitter, it's like, like Banana Man to the Avengers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, Chelsea <laughs> never been on the last 16 between 2020. And 2020. That's brilliant. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> elite, elite clubs are these, it's a complete joke. I've been trying to find. I've been trying, because there's plenty of arguments, Anti. I don't know a single person that is pro. And this has been discussed nonstop for the last 24 hours. And I've been, tr- I've been rooting to try and find an argument that is positive about it. We're going to get, it's not taking over from the Premier League. It's an adjunct. It's probably replacing the European Cup. And therefore, we're going to get elite football in addition to Premier League football um, midweek. What a uh, spectacle! I think, I think, Ben, what you've what you've said there is like, like the way they've tried to spin this as a oh, the domestic league is all important, um, you know, this kind of moral uh, bullshit, really. You know, um, they're going to kill, right? They it's are, the beginning of an end, isn't it? It's a slow kill, isn't it? And, well, it's a quick kill because they're killing their golden goose, which is the Premier League, the top six. That's what they're doing. That three billion TV deal will plummet. No one's going to be interested in a li- in a league where success is rewarded with nothing, effectively, because you don't get into the Champions League in it, and there's only relegation to worry about. You know, that's just not sport. Sport is about jeopardy. It's about jeopardy, and it's about uh, risk, and it's about ambition. 
And football is about all those things. That's why we love it. Before we like a club, we like football first. And these are the things which says to me that um, this franchise football, that just that just can't happen. And you talk about what can happen. Well, they bank on us, right? They're treating us like junkies. They know. I've had a lot of conversations with mates, and they go, "Well, if I give up my season ticket, somebody else will take it, and that's what, the, and that's you know, just keep going on." Well, give up your season ticket. Let's see, right? We have to make the case that what they're banking on is our money when we buy a kit, when we buy a season ticket, when we buy a duvet set, when we buy our TV subscriptions. All those things, BT and Sky will obviously be against it because actually it will probably bankrupt them as companies if the Super League happens. So what we can do about it, stop giving them our money. That's why they're doing it. it what's interesting, Chris, of what you're just thinking about, what you said about those teams and, and the fact that they are, a lot of them are obviously, you know, um, Sort of the, the gasping on sort of the the oxygen of former glories is that it's like this is their last chance while they're still prominent. I think some of them to say, do you know what? If we just make this a closed shop now, we will control it forever. Because you know, they, they, because every time a, a a billionaire buys a football club, it's another one. It's another sort of trough, a snout at the trough that can sort of. A compete at the top level so it's almost like they're saying right enough's enough we're not going to have any more any more coming in because you know Juventus might get bumped out by I don't know Stockport County or or whoever it is someone buys Juventus are fourth in Syria but Barcelona and Real Madrid are not walking the league like they were right and it's going to be an elite competition it can't be elite we're we're missing there's a bit of an elephant in the room there anyway because it can't be elite football without one of the most successful teams in European history that's Bayern Munich the Germans have opted out I don't think it's for altruistic reasons per se I think it's because their clubs are 49% owned by the fans and that wouldn't allow it but can you do that without the greats you know Bayern Munich and, and even Dortmund and I think there's another country that refused to do it Portugal can't do it. France, Portuguese. League One, League Air. Yeah, PSG. Time ago, you know the Benelux countries are setting up their own leagues, and they're not going to get involved. I mean, it's everyone understands the money aspect of it, and this is a thing for greed, right? But I think the thing that is really setting everybody off is what it is: is a lack of competition. The close shop nature of it is a lack of, it, and it's just not football. It's just not sport. It's not what we're. It's not what we love about it. And also, the idea of elite competition, that we're playing two games a week, right? Which we've seen this year, the quality hasn't been that great. You look at those big games between the big six in England, there have been a lot of nil-nils and one-nils and stuff by playing two games a week. And you think they're going to be able to have that standard? No. This is simple. They think the money the money is not at home and it's not in the domestic market. It's not in the domestic TV deals. The money's in the global market. Global subscriptions where their own channels, they own their home games, and that's where they can see where they make their money. It's Chris, simple. Just looking, going back a little bit of what you said about the Sky and BT. So do you think that the, because this is an interesting point, right? That the whole, just what's the, the most important point is like the, the how is this stuff going to be televised? Because that's basically the reason why they're doing it. So do you see that like the 10 games, because this is right, yeah? So, so each club is going to play 10 games. Is that right? Uh, my understanding is they um, it is 
going to be 10 games home and away. So it's 20 games. Right, so, but 10 games, what I mean is 10 home games, essentially, games, yeah. to sell those ga- those rights. Well, yeah, but the word is that um, DAZN are a oh, partner right. in it already and bankrupt, and I've already offered like 3.5 billion or something for the TV rights to broadcast the Super League, which they want to start in August. This August, in three months. Perez has said, I want this to start in August. Uh, at this point, I may just have to sort of uh, say for full disclosure, I've made some documentaries for DAZN. So, so um, well, that's you know, I'm, start, I'm starting to see this as, I'm starting to see this as such a bad your mortgage, maybe. Give him a call, get involved. I mean, I don't have a problem with that side of it. Mm. I don't, because no, we're going to broadcast it, right? Yeah. Um, I have a problem with the fact that it's not based on merit. I think it's that. I think the the I think the reason. The, the, let's if we go if we look at the the the, the problem that I think that a lot of the the the. the, the the club C. I think part of their problem are, are the, the the games in Europe that are against the the smaller clubs. You know the opening games of the the Champions League where there's a bit of a mismatch. And I think what they see as being the what they see as being the dream is like you know every week you've got a, a humdinger United v Inter. Then the next week it's United v Barca, and and those games are like. They want to to capture that sort of level of like quarterfinal, semi-final every week. They they want a franchise football for the yeah ball. yeah. But, they, but this is so. What I'm saying is that they want that thing. But what but what you won't get is you won't get the the drama and the jeopardy of the smaller clubs. The the the, the they don't think that matters. Mm. They just don't think that matters because the money will keep running in regardless. They think the fact people getting bored at home in the domestic market, perhaps of Real Madrid versus Man United every ten years, every every year for ten years, is absolutely fine. I, but we all know as fans that the novelty factor of that is the enticing feature of why we love it and will pay for it. Unfortunately, I think problem Chris is that we are what the Super League people call legacy fans. And I think if you think of like, and this is not, I'm not, I'm not uh, being disparaging to the younger generation at all, but like, I think a lot of the younger generation, the sort of FIFA generation, if you like, they want to see superstars. They want to see the superstars playing against one another all the time. The other thing is in, in, in China, for example, and we know that China is a huge, huge market for football. Fans in China don't tend to have a club, or they they do, some of them have a club, but they also f- have f- players that are that they're fans of. And I think this all taps into that globalization, and and that's why they want this because they know that really that and and maybe the pandemic has shown that the the seventy thousand in the stadium, so you don't need them. So the Chinese league has collapsed, right? Chinese leagues collapse. Chinese government says you're not spending money on this, this money on players anymore. It's collapsed. They're going to start in a few weeks' time without the league leaders playing because the club's gone bust. They've told Chinese investors, i.e., the Inter Milan owners, you've got to, you can't, you can't invest anymore. So in, that's why there's rumours that Lukaku will come back to the Premier League. Is Inter going to have to have a fire sale um, in the summer? Yes, the, the Premier League and the Super League want that Chinese market. 
Your Richard Arnold been on call saying, oh, we're bigger than China all the time, as long as you can hear all these things. The younger viewers is interesting because I know that they're not, I know there's facts and I've read that they're not sitting through 90 minutes of games. How do you monetize the highlights? That's something they've got, they've got to think about in terms of a broadcasting deal. I mean, Ben, what are we, are, are we overreacting? Ben? <laughs> Again, I don't think it's I don't think it's a, an overreaction. I think it's um, but I I just part of me thinks this won't happen, and I part of me thinks it's not it can't be as bad as it seems. But then logic brings you right back to the to the beginning. If you start this league and say it's just an adjunct to the Premier League, you will start that you won't be able to play. You, your squads will have to be, be double the size. The inflation on players and salaries when there's this much money flying around in the game it's going to probably drive that that wedge and gulf between fans and clubs even wider it's hard enough to be like the olden days and, and really feel a part of your club your, your community etc i just think that gulf is going to it's going to grow exponentially well how how, how you know are players going to be traded amongst the super league clubs are they going to want to? Are they then going to go out outside the Super League clubs? And what kind of premium would you be paying for a for a Haaland or a Sancho? Then is 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 football? Is football's out of out of control? The the money's out of control already. How much bigger is it going to get? How much worse? I mean, Dan, going back to United, um, Alex Ferguson gave a quote to Reuters after the game yesterday, and was very quick on it to say, "I know nothing about this." Uh, but it'd be terrible if it happened. For me, Ferguson has never spoken up, really, in, in all the time of the anti-Glazer ownership, and that was as close as we got yesterday. So how do you think it's going to go down with inside the club, with the players, with the management, clearly with Ferguson? I mean, it, it, well, you, see, you saw Gary Neville's reaction. Um, Gary, where we, you know, I'm assuming people saw that. It was, it's been quite publicised on, on Twitter. Um He's pretty disgusted by the whole thing. Um, I think it's. I think it's. There, there's this. There's a sense of embarrassment, isn't it? That that you're. That you know you're going to be part of this club, which is trying to get a closed shop, and anyone who is in football for the love of the game, that's kind of goes against it, really, doesn't it? It's. I. I, I mean. We'll, I think it's hard for the players to say anything because obviously they are under contract and it's well, difficult think, to put your head above the parapet. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be interesting what Klopp says tonight before before or after the Leeds-Liverpool game because he has said before how he's anti-Super League. He has his legacy in Liverpool is intact. Germany has said we're not getting involved. There's a job at Bayern Munich in the summer. He could make us... He could make... He, I don't think he will, but he could... It would be nice, wouldn't it? It would, it would be it would nice, be... and it could be a game changer in the whole process if someone of that stature yeah. could do it. Ollie's not going to say anything; he can't. Um, what's? I mean, listen, we've got to think of the what ifs, right? In all our jobs, we think about the what ifs and the worst case scenarios. But five years time, right? The Super League exists, and they go, oh, "We've got too many teams in Manchester. We need to move one of them." What they do with the NFL, the Rams franchise, Cronkraze moved it. What's to say it becomes Istanbul City or Istanbul United, you know? What's to say that's not a long-term possibility? They're going to have too many clubs in London and we go to Amsterdam Hotspur, right? 
it's not, this is what they're thinking about. This is definitely what they're planning. This is definitely on the list of ideas that they've got going on further down the line about how they make the most of franchise football. They want to turn these NFL owners into the NFL. That's what they want to turn football into. And I think this is the time. And I, this, if we love football, whether we're legacy fans or not, whether we love the game first before the club, quite frankly, and we have to keep the pyramid intact, then we have to do something about it. I think that's that's how I feel about it. I think we're at DEFCON 5 and we've got to prepare for the worst and we have to, our, our power is in our wallet. But Chris, who, uh, I'm just wondering, like, okay, so if I, if I want to, to, you know, register my disgust about this thing, if I cancel my Sky subscription, I don't know if that's going to affect this, this proposed league. Whatever you buy from the club, you've got to go direct to the club, right? Yeah. First of all, yeah. I have a season ticket for next year. I have my memberships for my two nephews who I've been so looking forward to wanting to take them to Old Trafford. I don't think I can do that now. I have to, I'm going to ring them up later and cancel it. I have to. I, ha- I feel like I have to. I am deeply saddened by it. Genuinely, the point of like tears and upset because of what football and United have meant to me through our granddads, dads, parish priests, mothers, experiences. And when they take away the competition, when they take away ambition, when they take away risk and jeopardy, well, that's why I like it. I think, Chris, you've mentioned earlier about addicts. Unfortunately, there'll probably be another addict that will gladly sign up for your ticket. Um, you know, they, 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 they know this. This is, this is, they've got the, you know, they've got everyone. I know, but I just don't think that should stop us from doing something. Yeah, no, no, no. I, you know what I mean, I, I'm, like, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't. And it's a kind of. It's about that's a that's a decision about how that you take and and how you feel about that. Um, I just don't know whether enough people will be on the right side of the argument like you are. No, I get that. To make a ben, change. Ben, is there anything the Super League could do that could reassure you that it's a good thing? For example, maybe if they promised to get rid of VAR. Would that get you on the side? You're taking a, um, a toothpick to, to um, an iceberg there. Um, not at the moment. I want to see. I'm, I'm saving my fury. It's hard, but I'm saving my fury until this plays out a little bit more. Um, it, I'm hoping it could be some kind of negotiation tactic to improve the Champions League or something like that. I, or there's some kind of compromise involved. I'm just holding back. Um, I'll, I'll watch this space. I mean, that's the thing about... I mean, what would you do, though? If you're the Premier League, right? Right now, and you're UEFA to these clubs who have still got in UEFA competitions to play, what do you do to them? Do you continue them? For me, it feels like the season's over. What was the point? What is the point of us fighting for second? What's the point of any of those clubs trying to... Liverpool trying to get into the top four, top five... They're, they're, it's been removed completely. Is there... I mean, we were talking amongst ourselves, and I think Gary Neville mentioned, you know, dock them points already. Um, get another six teams to to take over the top six. Relegate, you know, what they sanctions are... can you possibly land against the clubs? Those 12 clubs are holding the rest of the football world and all their fans hostage right now. 
But they're not the pre- the Premier League. I don't think the Premier League would. I, 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 the Premier League, in effect, has to look after itself. So the Premier League isn't going to do anything to sanction Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City. But if you're Everton, Leicester, West Ham, Wolves, for example, clubs that have um, invested significantly to try and get in the Champions League, that on merit, Leicester and West Ham are in Champions League places, right? Well, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You've got no hope. Well, what is the point? What is the point? With the rest of the club, you're going to go into a Champions League, perhaps, which is devalued and some compromised. That's probably what you're going to do. What are you going to do? What is the point of the whole thing? And it knocks itself down. What about those Premier League, those championship clubs trying to get into the Premier League? What about, and, and so on and so forth. And they talk, where's the money fiddling down into the grassroots? They have said, right? Oh, yes. What they said in this statement, Joel Blake, statement is that the money will filter down the pyramid but when you look into it that money for the rest of europe is 434 million dollars per year for the rest of europe that's nothing so like what what i think what do you do do you kick them out do you drop points what can you and i think some of them will go well well you know what we'll stay out the premier league you'll need us back eventually and we'll go and start the Super League, and then you'll call us back when you need us, if we need you, and we probably won't. I, I think I think what will, if this goes ahead, if the, if those clubs do do leave, I think that what will happen is there'll be pragmatism because that's what happens when it comes to things like this, and I imagine there might be some form of negotiation for some kind of movement in and out. Of 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 a of a few teams because am I right in thinking that five five members? So they've said there'll be five invites, right? Which could right. be, and frankly, we should all be pitching a new um, talent show. You know, text for Ajax, vote here with Ant and Deck. Text for um, Port Benfica to join next year's league. What I was interested by that statement is that it might not. Be, it's not officially the European Super League. It's the Super League. What's to say those five invites don't go to Inter Miami, Flamingo, Kashima Antlers, Elayin, and it becomes a bit of a global Super League? Nothing to stop that from happening. So, and which is why FIFA maybe gave a lukewarm recept- well, lukewarm disapproval yesterday um, to it. I mean, there's international competitions. Players, players will. I think the majority of them will go where the money is. They'll go, yeah, well, sure. They'll go, yeah, oh, well, we'll play them quite often. Oh, that's quite boring. They won't care, I don't think. And but, all what, this- but what I could see happening, Chris, in terms of the, the prag- like, talking about the pragmatism, is that if, like, you can, you, you, the Leicester, West Ham, um, Everton's, sorry to do the, the pluralization, they could look at it in a, in a glass half full way and say, well, actually, what that means is we're going into a, Competition with this is the, the UEFA Champions League I'm talking about with huge prestige, and we can make that something of our own now. We or we could we can be in a competition. Big six aren't in it anymore. Bayern will be in it. PSG. No, well, will I mean, be if in the big six leave the Premier League, right? Then West Ham. They West won't. Ham. Oh, Chris, they won't. Yeah, and but the here's Premier... the thing, then, right? With that, with those big six, they're going to be in the Super League. That with 300 million extra a year, 
You think they're going to swan back into the Premier League and not pretty much walk it? Of course they will. I, I, the, the top six will the top if the top six go into the Super League with three hundred million extra a year, right, and come back into the Premier League. One of them's going to win it. The rest of the league might as well forget it. You're just trying to survive, and you can't get into Europe because it's fixed. So there's no competition, no game, no nothing, no point. Just unless you want to make money by people we're all talking about are just going to take our places. And that's incredibly sad, and you can tell where I am with it, is that I think Ben may be quite right. Ben, might, Ben, I think you might be right just to wait and see, and this is a high-stakes leverage gamble to get more money out of the Champions League structure. Maybe that we'll see in the coming weeks, but um, it might not be, and I think we just need to be prepared for all eventualities. Um, that is half-time on the Man United Redcast, talking about the Super League. We'll be back in the second half, and we'll talk about... Um, the pitch. Let's talk about stuff on the pitch. Um, these commercial messages will now follow. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back for the second half of the Manchester United Redcast with me, Chris Curley. And of course, still with me are Dan Riley and Ben Paul. Let's talk about yesterday and matters on the pitch. Um, and the 3-1 victory against Burnley. Uh, ben, what were your highlights from the game yesterday? Highlights for me, well, we started slowly, which seems to be a theme. Then... Individuals. It was the individuals that highlighted it for me. And in particular, Mason Greenwood. We've all been huge fans of Mason all season and last season. He's had a little dip in form. There's been some off-field activity. But um, he was exceptional yesterday. He's grown, as Ollie said in, the, in his post-match, he's grown in stature and maturity. He's physically more prominent. And there's, there's, um, there's a great all-round all roundness to his games. You know, he cuts in on the left, cuts in on the right. He plays traditional number nine. I have such high hopes for the little fella. And yesterday he took his chances. He could have scored two or three more. There was one where he slid in. The ball seemed to to, to escape uh, through his legs, which he should have slotted that one home. But the highlights for me, Mason Greenwood, I think Rashford had one of his best games in a long time. Um, Del Marcus though is managing himself through the game, and because he's clearly not fit. But some of the things he did, particularly in that second half on the left wing, were just well, they were highlight showreel stuff. I thought, Dan. Yeah, I mean, he. Um, I think there's a little bit of um, a little bit of a sense he might be getting his mojo back. Um, 
uh, I think that it's like you say, it's 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 managing, isn't it? And it's managing also with I'm sure for him in the you know the players now are starting to think because look probably second place is is okay uh sort of done we know we're going to get there so the mind might be thinking about the euros and making sure that you know he's not going to be um he's not going to be out of that and uh, i think there's uh, he's got every reason to you know to to that's fair that he should think like that um i think it's that time of the season it's you know, I think we are officially now in what they, is known as the business end of the season, trademark. Um, and I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's looking, it's looking like, it's looking like we're going to, you know, we're going to kind of get there pretty safely. And, and, and also just thinking about maybe it's the thinking more about the Europa. Well, I still think we should look up a little bit. I mean, I was worried about, <laughs> Here we go. I will come on to it. I mean, I was worried about Dean Henderson yesterday because he made some rather immature goalkeeping decisions. Funny enough, Ben and I discussed last week how Henderson likes to um, be ag- aggressive in his starting position and come forward and attack, which has helped Lindelof and Maguire. Yeah, he did that yesterday in the first 30 seconds and was very lucky not to get caught out. His second mistake, of course, yesterday was wearing that cap in the second half, which was horrendous. <laughs> It was like it was a, it was a real it was a beautiful like grabbed out of the club shop moment that I haven't <laughs> seen I haven't seen a moment as good as that since Brian McClare's main road head main road headband. If anyone remembers, you can you can if you look it up on on now, Google. Now, listeners, that is a niche reference. I know United references, but that is a particularly niche one. He, Brian McClare j- during some a derby game had. It might have even been the five-one. He had a he had a head injury of some description, and he, he wore a headband straight out of the club shop. Black, black, white, and red bars with Man United on it. He wore that in a game. It was. I haven't seen anything as brilliant as that. The thirty wristbands, the red and white thirty wristbands used to wear. But it was the head, it was a headband version. Uh, if if I find it, I'll, I'll try and get it. Uh, try and get it up on the site. I remember when Ralph Milne was a little bit cold, and he came out for the second half with a half and half scarf on. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm going to say is that, right, I'm going to forget the Super League's happened and we're going to pretend we cared about the Premier League for the purposes of the next 15 minutes of this podcast. We are now eight points behind Manchester City. You think about West Brom away, Everton at home, Sheffield United away, and this should be quite close. But City have got to go to Villa on Wednesday night without Kevin De Bruyne. Who knows how the politics of what's going on will really affect the players. There's a situation that we could be going to Leeds on Sunday and we've got a week off, so they'll be well-rested, hopefully, that we could close that gap to five points. I don't think it's over yet. No, I mean, if if you're an an eternal optimist, yeah, sure. But I think when we're referring back to what happened in 2012, we actually had a derby against City, so there was a six-pointer there. Um, We've got some pretty tough team. We've got Liverpool and we've got Villa and we've got Leicester. And that's we've got a pretty tough run in. But no, dare to dream. I would never take that away from us. Please don't take that away from me. Never. I'd never. I couldn't do. We've got Roma. They've got PSG. But they've also got, they've got a cup final, haven't they? Well, yeah, um, obviously, they've got Tottenham uh, coming up uh, the weekend in the cup. Um, they've got Crystal Palace. They've got to play Chelsea. 
They've got Newcastle away, Brian at home, and then Everton. I mean, Chelsea and Everton won't be straightforward. Um, it, and of course, either side of Champions League matches. I mean, a couple of draws, and it's, it gets interesting. Our we Pep's a bottler, don't we? We've got Leeds away, Liverpool at home, Aston Villa away, uh, then we've got Leicester at home, uh, Fulham and Wolves. So our last two games look pretty um, pretty okay. I mean, listen, we should keep an eye on it and not rule it out, is what I'm saying. So yeah. things have happened, and we shouldn't just resign the season just yet, even though I'm resigning the season because of the Super League stuff. I really how am. many realistically? How many? Because you've probably done the maths. Because you do, how many games would they have to lose? Well, if it's eight points, they've got to lose two and draw one. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. And we obviously we we have to we win. We have to win them. every one of them. Okay. So I mean, but what, if you got if you know if they lost on say they even if they got a draw on Wednesday night at Villa and Villa haven't played for a while, so they'll be fresh. That'd be nine points. We could go into, and then they've got our get. We've still got a game in hand on them, right? We beat Leeds. We'll be in six points behind. Obviously, that just make them a little bit nervous. It could make them a little bit nervous. And I think just you know, and it's a massive progress by Ollie to close the gap that that much. Let's just see. We'll come on to it. I mean, one of the big things that's happened uh, this week, and perhaps it's a distraction technique from Daniel Levy and Ben. I know you'll be uh, interested to talk about this is uh, Jose Mourinho um, has been sacked. Yes, um, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. It's um, it's good news for Tottenham fans because they're actually going to get their club back. And I, I actually, uh, I'd have, I have a soft spot for Tottenham because they play nice football. Um, yeah, been... well, that's the problem, wasn't it? He wasn't playing nice football. That was kind of why people wasn't... Yeah, exactly. They've got a tradition. They've got a tradition to play nice football and he was playing the same turgid, dire stuff that he brought to our club. But also, he's, he's a, you know, he's a nasty piece of work. He, he, he breeds contempt within that dressing room. Um, he's a nasty, arrogant man. And he's already started this amazing spin, this Alistair Campbell-style spin that he refused to take his players out on the training pitch today in a, in a protest against the Super League. Oh, so the club sacked him. It's, it's, just, it's just some 14-year-old teenage boy on Twitter. <laughs> that, yeah. that, it's, not, it's not true. Don't fall for it. Of course it's not true. Of course it's not true. He was sacked on Friday night. Hat off to him. I'm going, that's genius. That's genius PR if he actually did that. You're an idiot if you believe it, basically. He's um he's a nasty little showman and he's getting get I hope I just hope he doesn't get to walk away with any any you know the, the similar payoffs he walked away from us. I think it's particularly cruel that um, you know they've sacked Jose just after he got Tottenham into the European Super League. Eee. I mean Pochettino never managed that. Um, no, don't well you I get you were going to do that line and you didn't do it. Yeah, I know because because it's out there, isn't it? So uh, well, you were going to you were going to do it, and then I would pretend like I'd not heard it. <laughs> thing, and then you didn't do it. <laughs> I know it was it was a, it was a Gary Lineker tap in that one. But. We're meant to be um, professional. It is Leeds away. Let's talk about predictions. Um, I mean, any or any famous actually Leeds United stories away from home. I mean, um, have you been to Ellen Road, Dan? It's one of the places I never, I never got to, uh, I never got to visit. Actually, no. But I wouldn't dare go I've... without a stab vest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was pretty. It was pretty hairy. I mean, those. The thing I, I always remember about Leeds, because obviously Leeds were when I was growing up watching United, Leeds weren't really a, 
uh, Leeds weren't on our on our radar because obviously they were in the they were in the second division until 1990 91 when they came up. So that was like I was already like 19 years old at that point. Vinnie so Jones, then Chris Kamara got them up. Vinnie Jones, Chris Kamara, and they they came up after I think a, a, a pitched battle in Bournemouth, I think, on the beach uh, after 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 the last game of the season. Um, they came up and Wilkinson. To be fair, Howard Wilkinson did an amazing job there, and then obviously they they picked us to the league, and that that became a very intense rivalry in the nineties. I always remember those games in the in the nineties and early noughties being twelve o'clock Saturday. <laughs> Because you, it was very, very rare United Leeds was anywhere, any time kicked off after 12 o'clock. I don't think this generation really yet gets, and some of these players' generation will really get the hostility. And that's why I'm glad there are no fans in on, on this weekend, because they wouldn't get it and would get beat. I guarantee it, they would not understand why Leeds hates Man United so much. And it goes back. Back to the Don Revy time, really, and of Johnny Giles and Billy Bremner and and Bobby Charlton and, and that era. Um, do you fans do you fancy us, Dan, to, to get a, a result um, on Sunday? I, I I think I think it could be it could be either way. This one, I think um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a a case of whether we can just um, take our chances with them. Um, they 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 seem to be have played pretty well in the last um, in the last few weeks. Well, the first game remember at Old Trafford was a basketball match. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't expect anything different, really. It, do you? I, I I tell you what, I do remember about that game. It was one of the most enjoyable matches of, yeah. of the season. It was really, really, really good to watch. Tomine scored early. Um, Dan James had a fantastic game. It was his breakthrough back into the team, probably. Um, and hats off to Bielsa. You know, he's playing attractive, lovely football. They're a treat to watch. Um, well, they beat City last week. They were away, they were away to 10 men, remember, and they took three points off City. Yeah. So they think... underestimated. They haven't got much to play for in terms of, well, you'd say European positions, but I don't know long how we can play that for. Yeah, now. they could... They could become if 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 that if if your whole city theory ever does transpire, Chris, they could become uh, the the whole sort of uh, Leeds thing could become slightly different. Ben should tell you that things I say happen eventually. People tell me <laughs> at the time, and then I come back a few years later and I go, "I told you, you didn't believe me, did you? I told you it would happen, and it did happen." So it, this is just a warning. This is a t- an audio time capsule from the future that <laughs> the world you were warned. You Istanbul Hotspur, you were warned. So yesterday, it, it was no coincidence that we really started playing our best football when we when we reverted back to our trusted formation and stuck Pogba in the middle next to McTominay, shifted Marcus back to the left, put Mason on the right, and had you know Eddie up front. Is this now the starting point for the for the rest of the season? Or are you going to go? Would you would you want to go back to two defensive midfielders against Leeds? Uh, maybe because I don't know. I think people can run off Pogba all day long. And uh, in, in the first game, he didn't play Pogba at Old Trafford. He didn't play him. He was fit. He didn't play him. So I think you know you play in Leeds, you need to run backwards as well as forwards. Um, I, yeah, Pogba made a bit of a difference, and we kept the ball a bit better. For me, Rashford on the left was the difference that opens us up attacking-wise. And Cavani's movement caused them a different problem. Mason's freed up on the right. I thought it was interesting what Ollie said in the week about Mason, saying, I don't think he's a number nine yet. He's a few years away from that. 
I think he's probably on the right wing, which implies to me he's not going to buy a right winger, Super League money or no Super League money, in terms of Sancho in the summer. So I'm, I think I still think it's a little bit horses for courses. I think you can trust Fred and McTominay. I would expect, you know, in the semi-final away at Roma and Liverpool at home, that Fred and McTominay play central midfield if they're fit. And I don't have a problem with that. But you, you can't put Pogba and Rashford in the same team then? You can when you can in certain games at the moment and you can put Rashford right. And uh, you, the problem we had... no point playing him if you're going to put him right. You put Rashford right. You, but I think it's a compromise. You've got to compromise. Mm. But, you know, who, know, who knows the minute? I don't think Ollie's going to change too much and what he knows works and who he trusts. And he trusts Fred and McTominay in big games for those two positions. And he'll trust, you know, look at the difference Pogba made on the left against away at Tottenham last week and away in AC and Milan. So, I don't know. It's, um, it, you know, there's a few games left. He'll st- I don't expect him to change direction too much. He wants to win games. That's, of course, if we don't get kicked out of the Premier League and the Europa League before, before the end of the season. I'd kick him out. Kick him out. I don't mind. If they kicked us out, I wouldn't complain about it. I'd clap it. I, I have just I have just uh, come up with one one silver lining to the Super League. Let's try and end on a positive then, Dan. So City obviously this weekend went out of the FA Cup, meaning treble. Uh-uh. If the Champions League no longer exists, they can never do the treble, and the treble will forever be safe. The treble is safe forever. The treble is safe forever. That is. I'm I'm buying into the Super League. <laughs> <laughs> you, I could subscribe to that for a little bit, for sure. Um, Dan, um, Ben, thank you for listening to me. Having read all those articles the past uh, 24 hours that I've tried to share with you about what's been going on with the Super League. Um, before we go, I want to leave you with one thing to remember. Um, and a word I found today called engorgeousness. Engorgeousness. In gaudy justness, in gaudy justness, which um, means extreme greed, an insatiable desire for wealth. And um, that's where we're at. They're the owners of our clubs who, if they go to do the Super League, is frankly an insult to the flowers of Manchester, who went into European competition and died for it. Everything that we stand for and value as fans is at stake. Um, We've been taken advantage of as fans. Frozen ticket prices, singing section promises, standing sections happening. They've all been a long-term plan by the Glazer family. A cynical plan to buy you off. They're trying to buy you off thinking there's somebody else coming along. So you need to do our bit, United fans. We need to protest. We need to send emails. We need to ring them up. We need to not renew season tickets. We need to stop buying kits, duvets, the rest of it. Our power is in our pocket to take the club that we own back for us. This is something everyone should do. I will be doing it. Um, Join me in doing it. Because um, United flag will never die, but we're the ones holding it, and we're the ones who've got to keep it flying. Come on, you Reds. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at unitedredcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.